You're now listening to part two of Robinson Ralph's conversation with Carolyn Hobday in this very special episode of Having a Natter. You've obviously found the first part interesting, otherwise why would you be here? Anyway, I hope you'll enjoy the remainder of mine and Dave's chat with Carolyn, and if you wish to contact us for general or specific employment law advice, please get in touch at info at robinsonralph.com. Just moving on to our final topic, the importance of self-care within HR and when it comes to burnout and stress. What were your, what would your thoughts on that be, please? I wanted to talk about this because sort of more and more um, as I talk to HR people, I think particularly now I've, I've sort of you know stepped out of it as, as my full-time career, is I'm just seeing cases of, of burnout and stress within HR people. And I suppose I just wanted to you know, say it on here because I think we need to acknowledge it and then go, you know what, you're not on your own if you're feeling like this. And, you know, there are ways in which you can get help and support. And I think, you know, that's the pressure that HR was under before the pandemic came along. And then like we had a, a global pandemic and furlough and lockdown and different ways of working and all the rest of it, which I think has been hugely stressful um, yeah. on the HR function. Um, in, a, in a recent survey, HR was found to be the most stressful profession um, now um, under a number of um, senior professions, which I think in itself is very telling. And even more so, that survey was done before the pandemic. So it was then seen, you know, it was already seen as a very stressful and and sort of unpleasant um, career to go into. And I think we have to start acknowledging that and putting strategies in place within organisations, but also externally to organisations to support HR professionals. Otherwise, I think we run the risk that, you know, in years to come, people will just leave the profession. Um, But also we won't be able to attract new talent in because it's a bit like, you know, the suicide rate amongst dentists you know, is is the highest of any profession, you know, HR will become a little bit the stress equivalent of that and people won't want to join it as a as a career. Do you think that's because HR aren't very good at PR and and mm. and, and our position, I'm not saying they do this, but they're they're positioned to in a really clumsy term as almost the fun police. So their employees don't like them because of the fun police. Mm. And the people above them don't like them because they're always saying, you know, um uh, you, you can't do that or that's the perception whereas yeah. in reality a decent hrd um, and we're lucky enough to work with uh, quite a few of those including your good self obviously carolyn the proactive hrds are actually essential to the smooth running of a business but i, I always get the impression that hr never quite gets the credit in fact not never quite never gets the credit really it, it, is, is there a problem with with pr in hr yeah, and I, I think that's really true. I think everything that you say um, resonates with me because I think there is that sense often in organisations where HR is seen as the as the poor relation. You're a bit of a second-class citizen. Yeah. And quite often, what you will see is that everybody else is a director of something or other and then it's a head of HR. So it's I immediately just sort of like got that slightly lower status. What I'm really hoping on the back of pan- the pandemic and the amount of people-related issues that that brought you know, into the spotlight, I'm actually hoping that that might turn around a bit because suddenly we're needing like the HR function um, more than we ever have. But I think I'm you're sorry, right. Tom, I thought you were going to say you were genuinely hoping on the back of this podcast that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it won't. I'm on the back of this podcast. Not in a million not years. No, sorry. Sorry, Carolyn. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but I think you're right. I think HR's reputation, HR does have to take like grab hold of because they are, you know, very much it's like we're always saying no, you know, it's like computer says no. Um, and I think, you know, more HR people need to understand, actually, you know, how do I influence in the organisation? What other strategies can I use? How can I sort of say no in a different kind of way or be more commercial about saying, but how about this instead? 
um, and, and find ways of, of making things happen rather than just sort of saying no to stuff. But often we are the bearers of bad news and that does make you massively unpopular, you know, and I always say, you know, if, if particularly if payroll sits within HR, you know, nobody ever turns up, you know, uh, like on the other 51 weeks of the year and go, thanks very much for paying me correctly. But that one week that you get it bloody wrong, um, you know, and they're all piling on you and going, oh, it's all a disaster and the pay's never right. So, um, but one of the things I do think, and, and again, I might, might get ousted from the organization, but I do think the CIPD um, has a bit to play. I saw, saw a debate recently where it's like the role of the CIPD in the future of HR. And I do think that there's a little bit of lacking of relevance um, of, the, of, of the professional body behind HR, um, I think, which, which does, in my opinion, need to shift. It needs to make itself more relevant, more dynamic, um, and a bit more accessible and immediate to what HR people need. Because I, I don't think, you know, I haven't seen particularly that, that the CIPD themselves are putting in mechanisms to help HR people deal with stress and burnout. Mm. Um, and I think they could do a bit more in that. But yeah, I, I think that sometimes you know, the reputation of HR, and sometimes it's got nothing to do with the HR person themselves. It's other people's perception of what HR is. Um, and again, I know that's really hard work then for, for an HR professional, particularly if they come in new to an organization to try and turn that reputation around. But I think it is about spending time with, with you know, however many team people you've got in your team in HR and saying, okay, how can we, like, you know, what is the reputation that we currently have? What is the reputation that we actually want to have? And how can we start sort of, you know, drawing a line between one and the other and making that happen? Because I don't think often enough HR functions pay attention to that. They almost sort of shrug their shoulders and go, yeah, well, everybody just like hates us anyway and think we're the fun police. Um, you know, actually, you can do stuff about that and you can be seen as the can do function. Um, yeah. But you need to sort of strategically go about that and really sort of deliver some things that people go, oh, my word you know, that was different. They did that with a different attitude. I think really more than anything, what I want to recognize is that when you have people whose sort of natural inclination is to care for others, which I think that's a sort of inbuilt in most HR people, is that actually they want to sort of make sure everybody else is okay. They're looking out for the welfare of everybody else and trying to walk that tightrope, like you say, between, you know, delivering what management want and making sure that the employees are effectively represented. So yeah. I think they often end up at the bottom of their to-do list. And when you work in HR, you have a very long to-do list and you never get to the bottom of it. So looking after themselves is, is you know, very unlikely, um, I think, often. So I think there is a thing about, you know, they need to look after their own well-being. And that can be really, really simple things that they can just do, um, you know, themselves when they when they get home and just try and have that, that bit of space. But I think, you know, for me, a couple of pointers that I wanted to, to leave people with today is, you know, is about help. You know, we're often very bad at asking for help. I think that's a bit of a national thing. It's a bit of a British thing. But yeah. we absolutely encourage people to say you need to build that network of that, that small group of people that you can go to for support, for that sounding board. Um, it may well be that you want advice, but sometimes you might just want to just mutually share what you've got going on and feel less isolated. I think particularly when you get to a head of HR and HRD level, you know, the world gets more and more isolating the further yeah. up you go in any function. But in HR, I think especially so because you've got less and less people that you can talk to. So I think it's about networking, usually outside of the organization for confidentiality, but find groups that you can do that. People that you trust, but also it's about accepting help. Because again, HR people tend to give out to everybody else, but when help is offered, sometimes find it very difficult to accept it. And there's nothing wrong with accepting help or asking for it. And I would say as well, is you need to get really good at asking for help. So be really specific if you're asking for help about what it is that you need 
um, and, and how you need that. You know, how can that person help you? What is the thing of value that they've got that they can help you with? And actually, if you get better at doing that and being really clear about it, rather than apologetic about it, I'm really sorry, but I need your help. You need to get rid of that and be really clear about, you know, you have something that I value um, that, that I would you know, like you to help me with most of the time people will say yes if you say there's something of value that you have so I think it's very much that thing the analogy that I tend to use is all about putting on your own life vest before you help anyone else if you are drowning you cannot save anybody so you know it is about prioritizing that and then I I think the other bit for me is about that confidence because quite often what I'm seeing is particularly when people in HR are burnt out and they're stressed their confidence starts to dip um, because they don't feel valued and all the things that we've talked about um, and I, for me, it's really just a, it's a, a bit of a thought piece than anything else. No one else gives you your confidence and therefore no one else can take your confidence away. It has to come from within you. But the elements of confidence are congruence. So making sure that what you're doing is fits in line with your values. And I would just honestly say if an organization's values don't fit with your values, you either, if you have the influence, need to change the values of the organization or leave. Yeah, um, because life is just too short. Um, well, I, I, I'm at that point of this kind of the happiness tax that that you can you can make less money somewhere, but you're happy rather than making maybe the bigger bucks, but but just having a miserable life both inside and outside work because that kind of unhappiness will permeate to your private life. So when you go for another job, you find that you're rock bottom. So there is there is an element I think where I would pay a happiness tax mm. um, to not yeah. work at a, at, a, at a at a firm with a poor no, that's fine. So congruence is the first one. Competence, because quite often when our confidence drops, it's because we forget how competent we are. Yeah. Um, and again, some of the stuff that I do with some of my clients is about helping them to really remind themselves of how competent they are by really taking a long, hard look at that and saying, maybe that's a list of something that you, you keep somewhere that whenever you're having a bit of a bad day, you actually bring that out and go, do you know what? These are all the skills and capabilities that I have. Because quite often when you're up against it in an organisation, you're made to feel like you're not doing a good job and you need to remind yourself that you are. And then that final bit is connection, which really relates back to the first point about help, but making sure you've got some connectivity of someone that you trust, some sort of sounding board that isn't necessarily just going home and having a whinge to your partner because that's not always what you need. It's usually another professional, you know, sometimes it can be your, you know, your firm of solicitors or you build that relationship, you know, whatever that is. But yeah, congruence, competence and connection equals confidence. Thank you so much for taking the time to... Um join us today uh, carol and we know it's not pleasant spending time with dave and i um and I, i'm sure everyone enjoyed because because it's you know the last the last one i enjoyed was when we had a guest on as well i don't usually enjoy it whenever there's there's you know nobody on um i think that's fair enough dave isn't it yeah, yeah much better thank you carolyn yeah you've, you've no vastly inflated the quality oh yeah i mean oh i mean just so much so much um, <laughs> Yeah, all right. <laughs> Everyone, if you're interested in hearing more of, of uh, Carolyn's thoughts, then please do connect with her on um, LinkedIn. As I say, she's also got this um, book out at the moment. And I'm, uh, and then there's a second one on, on the way, isn't there as well? What's the second one called? Yeah, so I've got a, an ebook coming out in about six weeks' time. Um, it's called Redefining Selfish. So it's um, a woman's guide to a guilt-free life. Okay. Can men read it too? They can read it too, yeah. Um, definitely, I don't want to be. Yeah, um, they definitely they can um, they can read it too, but um, it's it's very definitely aimed at, at females. And then there's the sequel to um, all the twats I met along the way. That's coming out as well soon, isn't it? What's that one called? 
Yeah, so um, that will be coming out um, early next year, um, and that's called Detwat Your Life. Okay. Well, why do, why do you make a start of that now? <laughs> And and we're invited, Dave and I. (laughs) And uh, hope you all enjoyed that. And we shall see you on the next edition of um, Having an Utter with Robinson Ralph. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.